Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Yeah, let's celebrate what God's doing. Hundreds of people drinking clean, fresh water over in Africa today because of you and your faithfulness. Welcome over in Avon. Welcome here in Brownsburg. Welcome online. If it's your first time with us, I just want you to know how pleased We are that you're checking Connection Point out. We're all about Jesus and connecting you to him. And someone today needs to know that there's a God who loves you. He's not given up on you. Uh, And I believe that if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him and you'll see him do amazing things in your life. I want to talk with you today about the power that you have to transform your life, believe it or not, by transforming your thoughts. Uh, it's one of those things that's a little difficult to get our arms around, but I think that right now, if you'll open up your heart to God, you'll find that he's going to speak to you today. Let's kick off with a kind of funny illustration of our thoughts and the choices we have to make every day. This is a little girl on a game show, and her parents are in a, a different area. She can't see her parents, and she's having to choose between all these different prizes, And you just see the emotion on her face that we all deal with every day as we're making difficult choices. Feel free to chuckle along as you take a look. This is the exciting bit, okay, because all the prizes that you get to choose are down to you. (laughs) Shall we have a little look? Here we go. You could take your family on a cruise. Excuse me. A Caribbean cruise, no less. Do you know what a cruise is? No. This is a huge ship, and it stops off in various places around the Caribbean, Jamaica and Barbados and hot places. There's a lot of fun to be had on board, or you could take yourself for a cruise with this. A car. An actual car. Have you got a licence to drive? I've never drived before. you never drived before? OK, well, that's all right. That but stop my mummy and daddy let me go in the front of the car. Did they? In the driver's seat, the passenger? The driver. Oh, wow, crikey. <laughs> Just when they've had a few. Uh, so, this is the time you have to make a choice. So we have a family holiday on a cruise around the Caribbean. Or you've got that car. I would definitely want to have the car, but I think my mummy and daddy would pick the Caribbean trip. Okay. Well, lovely. (laughs) It's all down to what Amelia would like. A cruise around the Caribbean or a cruise around the garden in your own car. What do you fancy, Amelia? The car. The car! tragic and cute at the same time. Did you know that every day you're making choices that are way more significant than that? 
And if we're honest, a lot of times we feel like that. Which one do I do? I think I know what God would want or what these other people would want. And so much of our life comes down to this hidden thought process behind our eyes, between our ears that no one else can see. That a lot of times, in my experience, I'm not even that aware of my thought process. How much of it did I just inherit from my parents genetically? How much of it did I learn by behavior from the home I grew up in? How much of it has kind of happened because of school situations and work situations? We're kicking off this series called The Bright Side. And yes, it is about seeing the upside in every situation, but it's a lot more than just empty, hopeful optimism. Uh, We are learning the power of the risen Christ, Almighty God Jesus, who defeated our sin, defeated death, that he also promises to inhabit us, we're the temples of God, and that our mind is a little piece of real estate that we can choose to surrender to him and see him begin to transform thought patterns that we're not even aware of. And this is all for our benefit. You think of that little car is probably worth, what, you could get like 40 of those for the price of the cruise. And this little girl, she doesn't understand that. She doesn't know the difference. And we are the same in life. There are times where we get hurt and we have our way of responding to it that we saw from our mom or our dad. And that's the way we've always responded. And there's just a trail of broken relationships in your life. And you've never even thought, what if I change the way I respond when people wrong me? These are the kinds of things that God can do and it can radically change your life. I get really, really passionate about this. We'll be covering this in the month of September. So if you're here and if God speaks to you today, I would really encourage you, make it a point to be here every weekend in September. And I apologize if I'm a little passionate because this topic, these truths that I'm going to share with you from the word of God, they have literally changed my life. That's not an exaggeration. It's not an overstatement. I grew up with very limited thinking as it related to finances, to relationships, to career, to general outlook on life. And I reached a point in my life where I just hit a dead end of how far I could get in life with the kind of thinking I had. And it was a dead end where what needed to change wasn't my circumstances. It was my way of viewing my circumstances. That was about 10 years ago for me. It was shortly after I had left my news journalism career to become a pastor. God had grown the church. He had allowed me to write my first book. It had become a bestseller. Mel and I had our first child, Jack. He was healthy. There was so much to be grateful for. And so many prayers that I'd prayed that God had answered. And I was reading the Bible and meditating on scripture and singing lots of worship music. And yet I hit a dead end of my capacity. I don't know when you think back on the different seasons of life, if you think, oh, that's when we lived here, that's when we lived in that house, or that's when the kids were this old. Because of the deep depth of my personality, I tend to think of what car was I driving? (laughs) And it was this Toyota Land Cruiser. It was my first ever Toyota Land Cruiser. And I remember Hopping in there, closing the door, it's just me and the dashboard and God, it's a completely empty vehicle, and me just saying out loud, God, I love you, I am trying my hardest, but I'm just all out. I don't have anything else to give. 
and realizing that the way I was living life, it just wasn't sustainable. I really, really considered throwing in the towel on ministry altogether. Not because ministry wasn't working, but because my limited way of thinking had me so stressed out. Every conflict would keep me up at night. Every time the giving wasn't quite where it needed to be, I'd worry I had this scarcity mentality. In my marriage, I was holding on to bitterness. I had all these different kind of strongholds in my mind that I was not even aware of. And it's not because I didn't love God. And it's not because I wasn't trying my hardest. It's because I, I inherited a lot of that stuff. And I want to share with you in this series the principles from Scripture that in the last 10 years have completely leveled up my thinking. And my capacity didn't change. My circumstances didn't change. But when you have a different outlook, you start to see different options, even when you're in the same situation. And again, this is all through the power of Christ and of Scripture. But I want to ask you right now, thinking back on me nearly throwing in the towel. I mean, I was about done being a pastor. It was just so hard because of the way I was doing it. And I remember talking with Mel. We could go back to journalism. I could go back to my old career. We'd have better health insurance. We'd have better pay. And hey, we'd actually have weekends again. Like we could actually see people on a Saturday or a Sunday. And just, I was so at that dead end, I almost gave up. And I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> but where are you at a dead end in your life? Maybe it's your marriage that you've been fighting for and you just feel like you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and, and you're just exasperated. Like, what else can I do? What's the point? Maybe it's a parent-child relationship or another relative in your family where the relationship is just so broken and you've tried everything you can and there's no way to fix it. Maybe for you, it's your career. Maybe you hop from job that you don't enjoy to job that you don't enjoy to job that you don't enjoy and, and you just feel like you're at a dead end of a career. Finances, perhaps. Every month, there's not enough to go around. Every month, it's another fight with whoever you live with about how much they spent. Or maybe similar to where I was 10 years ago, maybe it's you're trying to serve God. You're trying to figure out how do I be the dad I'm supposed to be or the wife I'm supposed to be or the student I'm supposed to be. And you're really giving it your all and you're just at this dead end of your capacity. Wherever you're at a dead end, if I could tell you today how to see a breakthrough in that situation, would you want to know how? I sure hope so. <laughs> I think all of us would be like, yes, I want to know how. And here's what we're doing in this series. I want you to grasp this. You are going to learn a solution to that problem, but I cannot overstate this. What we're teaching you is also a solution to a dozen other problems in your life that you're maybe not even aware of yet. When you level up your thinking through the word of God, it just, it starts to change every domain of your life, your relationships, your finances, your inner peace, your purpose. Scripture says so much about our thoughts. Here's one example in Romans 12. God says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, some Christians, they see that first part and they say, well, that means, you know, you can't ever have tattoos. Don't dress like the world. Don't, you know, you need to look different. Now, we are supposed to be different, 
but we're actually supposed to be different from the inside out. Because look at the next verse, it says, or the next line, here's how you don't fit the shape of the world. Be transformed. What does that word mean? It means change your life. How do you change your life, your decisions? It's by renewing your mind. It's by changing your thought patterns. It's by trusting God and submitting to what his word says and obeying him and walking in the spirit to such an extent that the way you handled being wronged for 40 years, you handled it the same way, but you read a verse that says to handle it differently. And you say, God, by your power, I'm going to stop handling it that way. And then God starts to change you. This is a supernatural thing. As we talk in this bright side series about optimism and seeing There's truly opportunity in every obstacle in your life. We're not talking about empty self-help. We're talking about a vibrant faith that there's an almighty God who's in control of everything and he loves you. And this promise is available to you that your very thought patterns, even ones you're not yet aware of, can be changed for your better if you will renew your mind in the word of God and by the spirit of God. Notice what happens after you begin the process of inviting God to transform your way of thinking. It says, then, after you've said, God, change my way of thinking, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's will is essentially, here's the best plan for your life. In fact, that's the tail end of the verse. His good, pleasing, and perfect plan for you. Did you know that? God gives you a free will. You can do whatever you want in your life, but God has a a pre-scheduled best version of your life that you can either discover by faith or you can run away from and live a much worse life. You could put it this way. I want you to think of your life. There are two extremes. There's your very best life possible at one end, and there's your very worst life possible at the other. What is the difference between the two? How do you get this one? It all comes down to your thoughts. And will you, as a follower of Jesus, invite God to transform your very way of thinking? You could simplify all this down to this one little simple but profound principle that you can change your life by changing your thinking. Now, if you're anywhere Like me, 10 years ago, when I was at that dead end, whenever we hit a dead end in a relationship, in a career, in education, we tend to think if my circumstances changed, then everything would be better. But your best life is not going to come by your circumstances magically falling into place. Doesn't happen in real life. Your best life is going to happen by you changing the way you view your circumstances, And inviting God to have full reign of your mind and actually change your patterns of thinking. Did you know in the, in the frustration that you're in right now, I mean, whatever you carried in with you today, that dead end, that frustration, God has ways forward in that situation that you can't even imagine. In, in the situation you're holding right now, and you say, John, it's so broken, it's so hopeless, it's so painful. God has good things that he can bring from that. 
Believe it or not, choose to believe it. He has good things he can bring from that that you can't even imagine. What does this look like in our lives? The way that we tend to live under limited or limiting thinking? Well, it looks a lot like training fleas. You know what fleas are? They're like the little parasitic bugs that get on you in the woods and they feed on your blood. Fleas. Fleas can be trained. This was a big thing back in the 1800s when everybody had fleas. Fleas can be trained, and it's a great visual of how we hit barriers in our childhood or in our upbringing or in our adult life. And then for the rest of life, we say, well, that's just the way it is. And we live under limiting thinking. Go ahead and take a look. Training fleas requires a glass jar with a lid. The fleas are placed inside the jar and the lid is then sealed. They are left undisturbed for three days. Then, when the jar is opened, the fleas will not jump out. In fact, the fleas will never jump higher than the level set by the lid. Their behavior is now set for the rest of their lives. And when these fleas reproduce, their offspring will automatically follow their example. Most of us at some point in life, we've hit a lid. A lot of times it's pain, it's trauma, it's difficulty. It's what our parents modeled or said. And the rest of our lives, we live under that lid. We limit our thinking. And I've seen unbelievers through just the power of the minds God has given us learn to overcome some of that. But the beauty as a follower of Jesus is that you have the power of almighty God within you to jump out of a trapped life, to live God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. Here's an example of the kind of trapped thinking that many of us fall into. Many of us, when we go through a difficulty, we assume especially when it's a really difficult one, this thing, this thing is now in control of my life. This thing will shape me. But you know what we see with the heroes of the Bible, and you can see it all around this room and in our church family, and I've started to see it in my life. Your trials will not actually shape you in the end. In the end. The way you view your trials will shape you. I've met people who live life in a wheelchair, who have an incredibly optimistic, faith-filled outlook on life, and they're some of the most joyful people to be around, and you hang out with them, and they ask you questions about yourself, and they have a verse to share, and they're full of joy, and I've met people who've gone through pretty low-level trials and just can't get over it, and if they can have your ear for 30 seconds, they'll tell you how difficult their life is and how wrong they were by that person, the way they view their trial is shaping them, not their actual trial. I've searched the New Testament quite a bit, and I see a lot of places where God's people were wronged, wrongfully imprisoned, whipped, abused, beaten, even killed, and yet I have yet to find anywhere in the New Testament, which is kind of our manual for life as followers of Jesus, any passage that instructs us to live lives as victims with a victim mentality, 
that life just happens to me and woe is me. I just can't find it in there. But I find verses that say, uh, overcome. I find verses that say, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And this is not to make light of suffering or trauma or abuse or pain, but it's in love to say, if you change the way you'll view your circumstance, if you'll invite God to change your mindset, you can overcome that pain. And it will no longer define you. You're the result of your thinking far more than you're the result of your circumstances. Here's a visual. When you see this, it's, it's almost irrefutable. I, I think if we look at it, we're all like, yeah, that's kind of how my life works. This is logical. And yet, it's one of those things that I wasn't taught in school, and we rarely stop to think about. Your thoughts, whatever you choose to think about, affect your emotions. I've heard extreme people say you can think your way happy. You can think your way successful. There's some truth in that. But let me give you maybe a more realistic example. If you watch like really sad, depressing, old yeller movies all day, and you just have a cry fest, how are you going to feel at the end of the day? Or how about this? You watch a really scary movie. Do you sleep well? Your thoughts affect your emotions. And your choices are affected by your emotions a lot more than we like to admit, as well as by your thoughts. And as you make choices, those choices, after about 20 times or so, become a habit, or less if it's something really addictive. A habit becomes a lifestyle, and a lifestyle becomes a life. And you're in your 20s, before you know it, you're in your 30s, before you know it, you're in your 40s, before you know it, you're looking back on life And there's a trail of broken relationships because you never stopped to think, I always handle conflict the same way. It never ends well, but I'm just always going to do it that way because that's how I feel like doing it. Or you get to the end of your life or your retirement years and there's, there's no money for retirement years because you had a habit of always spending and never giving or saving. And that habit became a lifestyle, became a life. Now, I don't mean this in a judgmental way. We're all in the same position that apart from the power of Christ, all of us have some thought patterns that are broken. Jesus once said, as a man or person thinketh in their heart, so are they. Your thoughts and your life are almost one and the same. Let's look back at those trained fleas. It's just such a visual of our limiting thinking, our limited thinking. And this next sentence, bear with me, it's going to sound really simple, but it's a little bit profound. You are not aware of where your thinking is limited. I was not aware in my life of where my thinking was limited. And so this is why it's so important. A self-help guide would say, figure out where your thinking's limited, take these 10 steps. We're on the God help plan, okay, of saying, God, I give you full access to my mind. There's parts of my mind where my thinking is, my marriage could be way better, and I don't even know how bad I'm making it because of my thinking. So would you come in and transform my mind, renew my mind? God has plans for your marriage beyond what you could imagine. He does. He's got plans for your kids beyond what you could imagine. 
He's got plans for your career, that it would be fulfilling, that it's what you were created to do. He's got plans for your finances, that he doesn't want you stressed out every month. That's not, that's not the life Jesus taught, that every month you're like in major anxiety about your finances. He actually has things planned for you beyond what you could ask or imagine. Why is it beyond what we could ask or imagine? Well, because our thinking is limited. Ephesians 3 puts it this way. God is able, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, if you haven't yet, you can do it right now. Jesus, be my savior. Forgive my sins. I believe you're God. God is able to do in you and through you immeasurably more than all we ask or all we imagine. Now, we often say here at Connection Points, kind of one of our mantras, that in our church, Christ is the head of the church. We're not about a human personality other than Jesus. His word, the Bible, is always our guide, and his spirit is our power. We'll always do what the Bible says. And yet, if I'm honest, in my life, sometimes this verse, Ephesians 3.20, some days I behave as if it weren't true. Do you really believe... Ask and imagine the greatest things that you could imagine in the spiritual realm for your family, for this church, for the world. Ask and imagine those things. Think big, dream big, and then look at Ephesians 3.20. God says he wants to do immeasurably more than that. When I think of the vision God's giving for us as a movement— that our sons and daughters, that little ones who are over in the sweet shop or over in Kid City at Avon and, and they're, they're in diapers right now, that they'll be writing laws in Indiana in 30 or 40 years. That they'll be running businesses. They'll be college professors. That they'll be moms raising another generation for Christ. This vision we have that our sons and daughters will be tomorrow's leaders in central Indiana, that seems like a pretty big vision. But God says he can do immeasurably more. We think of what we're seeing in Brownsburg and starting to see in Avon and praying to see happen in Carmel. And we think, wow, what if we could be in every suburb where families are really intentionally raising their kids so we can reach even more of the next generation? Oh, man, that's, that's probably too big. God says he can do immeasurably more. What about in your marriage where whatever your dead end is today? A dead end of unforgiveness, a dead end of grief that you just can't get through the grief? Do you believe, will you choose to believe as a follower of Jesus who believes the Bible's God's inspired word, God can do immeasurably more than what you're praying for in that situation? I don't know if you caught this in the flea video, but at the very end it said their offspring will follow the exact same pattern. Their offspring will live in the exact same limits. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, if we really want the best, God's good, pleasing, perfect will for our sons, our daughters, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, our spiritual kids in this family, we got to start setting an example that says, I don't just handle conflict or handle my finances or handle whatever else based on the way my disposition would or my family did or the way my ego tells me to. I handle it all the way the word of God tells me to. What if, what if part of our motivation in this series 
is not only for you to resolve the immediate pain in your life, not only for you to learn to think at a higher level so you can see God do more miracles in your life, but what if it's also so that we can raise sons and daughters who have even bolder faith and bigger faith? And when we pray that, they'll, that God will do miracles in our time, but then that our sons and daughters will outdo us, that they'll grow up and they'll have seen such a radical faith, such a big view of God, that they go out and live that way. I love the final phrase of this verse in Ephesians 3, and it's such an important phrase. How does all this happen? How will God change your thinking so that it changes your marriage? How will he change your thinking so it changes your view of yourself? You're no longer down on yourself. You're no longer beating yourself up. How will he change your thinking so it changes your career, your finances? It's by his power that is at work within us. This series is, uh, yes, it includes your volitional will. You have to open the door and invite God to control your mind. But beyond you surrendering, it's his power that will really do the work. I want to start down that road with this very simple prayer that you can pray that says, yes, God, I do want the mind of Christ in me. In fact, in just a moment, I'll count to three. And if you're believing that today, we'll say it aloud because I really believe in this first message of this series, the most important thing isn't learning a bunch of facts. It's you opening the door to your mind and saying, Almighty God, I trust you. I trust you with my mind. It's a scary thing. It's a life-changing thing. If you believe it with me, then say it out loud. Here we go on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, God, I do want the mind of Christ in me. That is a life-changing prayer if you'll continue to pray it. Do you ever see this old TV show called Hoarders? Here's a real-life picture of a real-life hoarder. Uh, The first church I pastored in Arizona started with 40 people. Most were uh, older folks, and church grew younger as it grew larger. But we had an actual hoarder in our church. And one day, her adult children came to me. And they said, "Um, John, her house is out of control. Like, she's got these little pathways she can move through. We're concerned for her health. We're concerned for her life. Things are starting to smell. It's so bad. And as we tried to work with her, we reached a point where we realized that she was never going to clean that stuff out herself. There was fear, there was trauma, there was a reason she was holding on to things. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) There's a reason you're holding on to things in the home of your mind. And it got to the point that the only way we could solve it was to kind of get her out of town for a little bit with some of her family. And then out of love, people came in and just, I mean, it was a mess. But it was a mess that she lived in every day that she kind of liked and hated at the same time. I like this picture of this gal walking through these little halls of stuff. Because that's where I was 10 years ago. I had a lot of Bible knowledge and I was really doing my best for God, but there were these piles of stuff in my life that I hadn't dealt with that I wasn't even aware of. 
That's what's interesting. You talk to a hoarder, they don't think they're a hoarder. They don't see it. There's people right now in our movement, your marriage is at a dead end. And it's true that your spouse has wronged you in some ways over the years. Guess what? Any human will. But your spouse has come around and they're trying to fight for the marriage and they're hanging in there and they're knocking at the door, but you can't even hear them because the door is barricaded with your mementos of unforgiveness and bitterness. And you might think that marriage, there's no hope. I've done everything. But what if you invited God to transform your mind? And as the word of God speaks about forgiving and letting go, you started to say, God, give me the power to obey you. Holy Spirit, help me to do this. And that debris slowly gets cleared away and you start to hear your spouse knocking at the door. I'm telling you guys, this principle will change your life if you'll invite God to speak to you. I think it takes some humility to acknowledge every single one of us, myself included, we've got some debris in our hearts, in our minds. God loves us still, but he also loves us enough that he doesn't want us living in that mess. Every one of you here today, you have the capacity to be living in a mansion of a mind, a mansion of a life, ever-expanding relationships, ever-expanding spiritual growth, more fulfilled every day. Difficult circumstances come your way and you immediately greet it with, well, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with this. That's your gut response. This is what God has for you, but your mind is, is clogged like a hoarder's house. Here's just a few examples of limiting thinking. It's not an exhaustive list. This marriage is hopeless. That's a limiting thought. Scarcity mentality in general, that's how I was raised. It's also my disposition. I have not arrived, but God has grown me a long way from always thinking there's never going to be enough, there won't be enough. Hold on to everything you have. God's grown me a lot. I don't have enough strength. I'm doing everything I can, but I don't have a strength. Maybe more strength isn't what you need. Uh, I didn't put them on the list, but two other examples of limiting thinking. If you, when you think to yourself, my situation could never change. That's limiting thinking. You're living under the lid. Or, or, and I have so much compassion for you if this is a voice in your head. I always do that. I always make that mistake. I knew I'd click it again. I knew I'd drink it again. I, that's just... You know what that is? That's Satan defining your identity that you are a failure, but you're not. You're a new creation in Christ. And renewing your mind looks like saying, you know what? I messed up, but 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That's not who I am anymore. I'm not a failure. I'm not a person who messes up over and over again. I am a person who forgives. I am a person who makes great financial decisions. I am a new creation in Christ. I'm a son or daughter of the king. I'm going to lift my shoulders. I'm going to lift my head. And I'm going to start to live like a son or daughter of the king. You see how as you start to change your thinking, it starts to change your emotions. It starts to change your choices. Here's a helpful diagnostic question that I've used in my life to discern. In this situation, am I operating under limiting thinking? And it's this. Do I find an obstacle in every opportunity? Or do I find an opportunity in every obstacle? 
You know, your marriage is at a dead end, and someone's like, oh, we know this couple that could help you. Oh, well, no, 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 no. We tried that before, right? You just found an obstacle and an opportunity. And this, this is true in investing. This is true in your workplace. This is true in your parenting. And guess what? Your kids absolutely do pick this up. And this has nothing to do with me. I've just seen it. I saw this as a pastor's kid when I would go out to lunch with other families in the church. There were families that the whole way to lunch, if you listen to the parents, it was everything that was wrong with the message. And guess what? Those kids tended to be pretty negative-minded kids. And then there were families that the whole way to lunch, it was, what did God say to you? Where do you need to grow? Where do you need to obey? Those kids tended to be kids who looked at life and said, what's God teaching me? Where do I need to grow? So, You need to know this in this series. My natural disposition, especially before I moved to Indiana, um, I I have this kind of artistic side. I used to draw a lot as a kid. I loved art. What got me into writing was not news. It was poetry, okay, and like fiction and emotion. And, And in my own disposition, prior to the principles I'm teaching you, when I would get hurt or deal with conflict, I'd go to a coffee shop, I'd put my headphones on, and I would just write about it. And I'd get lost in my feelings. And, and when Mel and I would get into a fight, she came from a high-conflict family, I came from a no-conflict family, so I would just run away every time. That would make her more mad. I had all these patterns in life that I mean, I look at that 20-some-year-old version of myself with compassion. He, he was who he was because of how he was raised and what his personality was. But get this, that level of thinking, what happened 10 years ago when the church started to grow and the first book became a bestseller and we had our first kid, my level of thinking, my circumstances were actually good. And right now you might feel like a de- you're at a dead end, but your circumstances are actually better than you think but I had gone as far as that level of thinking would take me in life. And to get further in life or to to really have God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, my circumstances didn't need to change. My view needed to change. And the first part of this, is there an obstacle in every opportunity? That was 100% me for about the first 30 years of my life. Now, after 10 years of these principles and really working at it, I don't do it perfectly, but I'm now at a point where most times, like in August, when I got hit with another one of these neurological things, and for a couple days I couldn't stand, my eyes are still not quite 100%, God has retrained my brain to say, huh, I wonder what God's going to bring out of this. That's not because I'm a spiritual person or a good person. It's because I've allowed God to renew my mind. In fact, just about three weeks ago, as I was trying to figure out what is it that's going on with my body right now, I made appointments with the top specialists in the state. And the first one said, it's this. It's definitely this and nothing else. The next one said, it's this. It's definitely this and nothing else. And then I went to a third one and they said, it's this and nothing else. Boy, that's frustrating. Until you ask one of them, could it be all three of these at the same time? And they say, you know what? Yeah. And you can do treatment for all three of them and they don't contradict each other. And I just started treating all three of them. And guess what? I'm doing way better. But the younger me, the, the, the find an obstacle in every opportunity would have said, oh man, even the specialists disagree. This just changes your life, you guys. It's spiritual, but it's so tangible 
and practical in your life. It takes humility before God to say this. Listen closely. Will you have the humility to say to God, Lord, I don't trust my thinking. Lord, I don't trust my emotions. God, I'm choosing today to trust you more than I trust myself. God, here are the keys to my mind. I want you to go in and clean out anything that shouldn't be there. Patterns that I'm not even aware of. Piles of junk that I've walked around my entire life and I don't even see them anymore. Take the keys, God. The way you think will determine if you become the best version of yourself or the worst version of yourself. And if we didn't have the promises of God to renew our mind, this would be pretty intimidating. But here's the good news. Jesus can help you change and expand your thinking. This will be for your good and it will be for God's glory. I could give you story after story. Corey Ten Boom is one of my favorites. She uh, was a dear follower of Jesus during World War II, lived in an area where Nazi Germany came in and took over. She was hiding Jewish people in her home to save their lives from the concentration camps. She got arrested. She got thrown into the concentration camp with everyone else. She watched her sister starve to death. They dealt with literal fleas in the barracks. And somehow through it all, she just kept talking to God. She kept this high view of God. She kept believing that God would work. God sustained her through. And when the camps were opened at the end of World War II, she started a ministry to minister to Germans who had been Nazis and saw thousands of people give their lives to Christ, traveled the world and wrote books that continue to change people, And if you read about it, when she was going through trials that we would think are unthinkable, what shaped her wasn't the trial, but her view of it, that God is still good. He will work all things for good. Yes, Satan's real. Yes, I'm suffering. But my God is stronger. I know how the story ends. And I might be in the hard part of the story now, but I can trust that this difficulty will end. That's what we're talking about, you guys. Ten years ago when I hit that ceiling of how far my thinking could take me. If I had given up in that moment and just gone back to a career that I wasn't called to anymore. I think of what I would have missed out on these last ten years. Two more beautiful kids. Miracles in my marriage that I never would have imagined. Thousands of lives changed. God calling us here. God allowing me to write four more books and getting to see tens of thousands of people grown through those. All the miracles that we're seeing right now through our church, I would be missing out on all of that if I hadn't in that moment said, okay, God, this is as far as my way of thinking can get me. I'm going to invite you to transform my mind. I want you to know I didn't get through that by gritting my teeth and bearing it. I didn't get through it by just persevering. There was some perseverance involved but it was 100% a transformation of the way that I think. And here's how it started is this little book. It's called The Winning Attitude. I actually stumbled upon it in a Goodwill thrift shop. And I thought, well, that's a corny title. The Winning Attitude. 
by a guy named John Maxwell, who was a pastor, and this book is actually full of scripture. Most of what I'll teach you in this series is from this book. God used this book to start expanding my thinking. And it took, especially in the first three years, I got it on audio. Maybe take a picture of this. We've got it in the lobby as well. But I started to see God change the way I viewed setbacks and difficulties. And I can tell you now, after 10 years, I, I have listened to this audiobook. It's only four hours. I've never done it all in one sitting, but I'll go on a walk and listen to a little. I'll take a drive and listen to a little. I'll skip a TV show and listen to a little. This book has changed my life. I was already a Christian. I already knew the Bible. It's changed the way I think for the better. And I, I just cannot recommend it to you enough. I've probably listened to this 30 times, no exaggeration. And to this day, if I'm going through some difficulty and I start to get down, I listen to it again. And it just helps me lift my nose up, lift my attitude up. And here's the end result 10 years later so far. Things that in my 20s were beyond my reach, the kind of marriage that was available to me, but my way of thinking couldn't access it. The, the whole kind of life, things that in my 20s were beyond my reach are now a part of my everyday life. And just think if 10 years from now, things that are beyond your reach in your relationships, in your career, in your purpose, in your fulfillment, in your freedom from unforgiveness, what if 10 years from now, things that are just, it's a dead end for you, you can't do it. What if they were part of your daily life, those good things? I believe it's what God wants for you. It's what I've seen him do in my life. My friendships are different. My dreams are different. My, my visions for what matters in life are different. You can, like I described earlier, actually create a habit that when difficulty slams into you, your first thought is, hmm, I wonder what God's going to do from this. Doesn't make the pain go away, but it makes it a lot easier of a journey. That you're starting to look for what he's going to work out of it. Jesus, if he hadn't done this, probably wouldn't have gone to the cross. Because we're not just talking here about empty positive thinking. We're talking about the power of the risen Christ to shape your way of thinking toward the divine. We're talking about the very spirit of God who lives within you. But not only that, think of Genesis. The spirit of God hovered over the waters at creation. The Spirit of God can hover over your anxiety. The Spirit of God can hover over your pain, your brokenness. The Spirit of God can hover over your dead ends, your desire for achievement. God describes himself in John chapter 1 as the Word. What is a word? It's a thought that's been transcribed and captured so that other people can think the same thought. God describes himself as a thought in letters. The God of thinking and thoughts, the word, can shape your thinking and thoughts so that you actually feel like and behave like a person that you never could have been otherwise. That if left to your own patterns, your own personality, your own ego, you never could have been that person. Philippians 2 says this about Jesus and about us. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. An attitude is 
a way of thinking. Next verse, Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. This is his process of going to the cross. He had a thought process that made a big difference. Think about this. According to scripture, Jesus was the way he was because of the way he thought. And you see it all throughout. He is getting away from the crowds to pray to the father. He's constantly crafting, cultivating, and tending to his mindset. If you study through the gospels, escaping the crowds, resetting in prayer, Submitting to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. He starts to operate Jesus from these assumptions that are very foreign to us, but God can build in us. My Father always has a good plan. I exist on a mission. I'm not an accident. I'm here on an important mission. My God, my Father will provide everything I need today to fulfill his plan. Those are very different assumptions than most of us have in the house of our mind. And renewing our mind is about moving that way. I'll close with this verse, 2 Corinthians 10. It says, this is how the Christian life is supposed to look. We demolish arguments and every assumption, that's what a pretension is, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You are to take a sledgehammer, not to any people or property, (laughs) but to the inside of your mind, Any thought that says, God couldn't do that. God wouldn't do that. You're not good enough. You realize that thoughts that set themselves up against God are not innocent. They're satanic. They're demonic. And a lot of us, even though we've been saved by grace and we're adopted into the family of God, we have little hallways of debris in the house of our mind that limit us. And that debris was all built up by the enemy's work in our life or in the life of our family. And you can learn by the spirit of God and the word of God to say, I'm going to clean house. Any of this broken thinking, these self-fulfilling prophecies that keep me running at this very low level, I'm going to demolish those things. I'm going to take captive every thought that I have. Is this thought in line with God's word or does it contradict God's word? I'm going to make every thought that I have submit to Christ. And obey Christ. Right now from your spirit, you can ask God to do this in you. And here's how we're going to do that. We're going to say this aloud together. If you believe it, don't read it yet. I'll read it out loud and give you a chance to decide for yourself. Is this what you're praying to God today? Lord, I do want to learn to take every thought captive to your way of thinking. And part of that, if you really declare that, you're choosing to believe, God, your plan for my life is better than my plan. Your appetites are better. I would choose the $200 Power Wheels car instead of the $10,000 cruise, and I would do it over and over again. So God, change me. If you're in agreement with the heart of that, then join me in declaring it out loud here on the count of three. One, two, three. Lord... I do want to learn to take every thought captive to your way of thinking. I'm so glad 10 years ago that I didn't quit when my way of thinking was maxed out. Because when I stand up here every Sunday, I look out and I see trophies of grace. Do you know what trophies of grace are? 
It's you. It's God's most valuable possession, eternal souls who've been saved by Christ and are being changed by Christ. I think of Zach and Lindsay. So many of you know their story. They were drug addicted and they were homeless when a family from this church reached out to them. And now every Sunday, I see them in the front here at our nine o'clock. They've baptized their kids. They're both drug-free. They both have great jobs. They have a house. They got their kids back from child protective services. Their entire life has changed because their thinking has changed. Yeah, praise God. It's what he does. And my, my final thought for you today is just, if you've grown up in a Christian home or if you've been in church for a while, this is almost harder for you than for someone who's been on the streets. Someone who's been homeless, they know I need God to change everything about the way I live life. Those of us who grew up kind of churched, kind of, you know, a little bit clean, we've got some hoarder rooms in our minds, if we're honest. If you really want to see God do all that we've learned about today, then today open the door to the hoarder rooms in your mind. Oh, surrender that unforgiveness. Surrender that never having enough. Surrender that shame, that codependency that you need another person to complete you. You only need Jesus to complete you. We pray this over you now. Father, in this place, I just pray that every brother and sister would perceive your great love for them. God, you love us so much. Like the parents on that game show watching their daughter pick a $200 car over a $10,000 vacation. You love us when we do that and we do it dozens of times a day. But God, you want something so much better. Lord, we pray this month for a renewing of our minds. We pray for a supernatural transformation of our lives that begins by a change in our thinking. That your mighty power at work within us would transform marriages, transform careers, transform views of self, free us from codependence, free us from addiction, free us from all the lies that enslave us. This is all possible through the cross. So God, today we give you the keys to the house that is our minds. We invite you to beautify and improve our thinking that we might live your best life for us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.